Hello and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Ryan. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to be changing gears here, different from what we've done in the past. One of my greatest joys is simply opening the Bible and reading it. And not only that, but also teaching directly from it. It is good to have outside sources, you know, study guides, sermons from pastors who are much more knowledgeable and wise than we are. But ultimately, the true wisdom of God comes from God himself, and that's through the Word. And the reason why I want to move forward in this way is because of a piece of scripture that really just stood out to me, and I felt the urgency of our mission much more than I usually do. And so I wanted to read you something before we begin today, and then I will introduce what we're going to be doing. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Malachi chapter 1. We're going to be starting in verse 6, and in my Bible, this section is called the sin of the priests. Now, there's a couple of ways we can interpret that, but the way I want us to understand it today and to have in the back of your mind as we read this is remembering that we were called by, I believe is in 1 Peter, we are a kingdom of priests by God. And so I think it is best that as his priests, which are his representatives on earth, that we properly understand that we may be profaning the Lord in our actions or our inactions. So I wanted to show you what Malachi heard from the Lord in the first chapter of his epistle. So let's begin in verse 6, and we're going to read the rest of the chapter. It says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. Then, if I am a father... Where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, How have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, How have we defiled you? In that you say, The table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? But now, will you not entreat God's favor, that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any of you kindly? said the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain offering that is pure. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you are profaning it, in that you say, The table of the Lord is defiled, and as for its fruit, 
its food is to be despised. You also say, My, how tiresome it is! And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick, so you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand? says the Lord. But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. As we can see, the Lord is not happy with the priests of Israel. And the reason I felt that it was important we read this is because this could describe us if we are not careful. Do we do religion for the sake of religion? Is there any relational value in your religion? Do you have a relationship with your Lord Jesus Christ? Or is it simply going through the motions? Are you saved and you're not acting like you're saved? And you see, it just goes on and on and describes so many different aspects of fake Christianity. And ultimately, that's what I'm trying to get at, is we cannot be a fake people. We cannot be people of merely religious ritual. That is empty, and it accomplishes nothing. When we go to church, when we open our Bibles, if we open our Bibles, who are we trying to please? Ourselves? Or are we trying to please the Lord? Are we trying to appease Him? Are we trying to coax Him into helping us more or to not being so angry with us? Because if we do any of these things, we do not understand who God really is. And so I think that it is of utmost importance that we proceed with caution and we proceed with wisdom. But really, we have to ask ourselves, where does wisdom come from? The Bible talks about that at great lengths, and the summary of it all is, wisdom is from God alone. The wisdom of man is foolishness, but the wisdom of God is life, and it's perfection. So, with that being said, I want to introduce what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. Would I be correct in assuming that we have a limited understanding of God in general? Yeah, maybe. But the one person of the Trinity who is the least understood is the Holy Spirit. And so we need to ask ourselves some questions. Who is the Holy Spirit? We see him referenced throughout the Bible many times, and he is called by different things. He's called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of Grace, the Spirit of Promise, the Spirit of Glory the Eternal Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Advocate, the Helper. These are all names and titles of the Holy Spirit, but who is he really? Is the Holy Spirit truly a person, or is it an impersonal force? What does it mean in the Bible to be baptized by the Holy Spirit? Do all Christians have the Holy Spirit indwelt within them? How can I be controlled by the Holy Spirit? Can the Holy Spirit heal me or renew me? 
Is the Holy Spirit God himself, or is it Jesus, or is it neither? What happens to a Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit? And that's going to be the point that we will conclude with, because that is the ultimate goal, is to be living and filled with the Holy Spirit, living in the power of God through faith in Christ alone. And quite frankly, that is what is lacking in this generation. We have people who claim the name of Christianity, but do not reflect a biblical Christianity. And so I want to set the record straight through the mouth of God to make sure that we understand who the Holy Spirit is, how this applies to us, and ultimately to know where we stand on things. As you see in the book of Malachi, God is not happy with his people. And the last thing that we need in America or anywhere else in the world for that fact is for God to not be happy with you. He will always love you. That will never change, yes, but God can get angry. And if his name is profaned and blasphemed, especially in the church setting, that is the worst way that you could defile the name of God to be a fake Christian. People who practice demonic things clearly show where they stand. But when you have a Christian who claims the name of Christ, but yet is not saved and is acting apart for their religious comfort or whatever, that is very dangerous territory. And God hates that. He makes it very clear throughout Scripture that he hates that. So we do not need to be hypocrites. We cannot. And therefore, we need to understand who God is more clearly, and especially how do we live in the Spirit of God. There are many different aspects to this, and it's going to take us a few weeks to get through this, but I'm excited to go through it with y'all and learn more about the Holy Spirit and what it means to be a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led Christian. So let's start off with this thought. What is the role of the Holy Spirit today? What is he doing? Is he doing anything? Well, yes, he is doing something. Now, the Bible teaches that there are two different kinds of baptism. There is water baptism, which does not save you, and there is spirit baptism. So we understand that water baptism is an outward act that symbolizes the cleansing of your sins. But it only touches your body, right? Because it's water. It is a symbolic act, is a public profession of your faith. But the spirit baptism is an inner act that literally purifies your soul and your spirit. And this is what the Holy Spirit does in making you holy because the Spirit of God is holy. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit, right? That makes sense. But to be filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit means that you are totally immersed and transformed in the life of God. Jesus made many promises while he was on earth, and he kept all of them. And he pointed to some that were in the near future of his disciples, and they were fulfilled on the day of Pentecost and everything that happened after that. 
And even today, he promises that we will be somebody better when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that we become more like God. He said that he would send the Holy Spirit to the disciples to live in them, and that applies to us today as well. He would bear witness to Jesus Christ and would profess that name. He would empower the believers to demonstrate the personality of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit, right? And then ultimately, God's plan for your life would be successful because these men and women acted in obedience to the Holy Spirit. Are we people of obedience? He wants you to be fruitful. Fruit is simply the outward expression of our inner nature. The fruit and the works do not save you, but they are evidence of the truth that is within you. And that is what shows the people around us how different we are. Because ultimately, what we're supposed to be doing is showing, as a church, who Christ is through how we behave. We can't show them Jesus Christ, right? Because, as you know, none of us have seen him, but yet we believe in him. So how do we get people to see Christ as best and as clearly as possible? Well, by how the church interacts with each other, as well as how a Christian conducts himself in the world. Those two evidences are what draw people to Christ, showing that there's something different about you, something different about this church, that you live in a community of fellowship. What is it about you Christians that is so different? And then you can invite them in and show them what it's all about. That is part of the gospel, and that is part of the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And we need to understand this more thoroughly, and we can only be successful in this mission through the Holy Spirit. In an effort to entice you, let me explain a few things that we're going to be talking about throughout the course of these weeks. So ultimately, this is all going to be focused around the Holy Spirit himself. And we're going to understand what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, We're going to understand the doctrines of the Holy Spirit much more clearly, such as how the Holy Spirit purifies us, how he unifies us, how he reveals who Christ is through the scriptures, how he was revealed in the Old Testament through the prophets and through some of the early kings. We're going to discover how he guides and directs God's people, Like it says in Romans 8.14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. So only the sons of God, even only the ones that are saved by the grace of God, are the ones who are led by the Holy Spirit. No one else fits that description. Galatians 5.18 also reinforces that point. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And we will explore that in much more depth, because by saying that we are not under the law doesn't mean that the law is not important and it is not good for us. So we'll understand more about that as we go through this. 
The Holy Spirit also provides a godlike atmosphere when he manifests himself. He gives us assurance. He teaches us. He illumines us. He gives us life. He empowers us. He gives power for his service. Both in the Old and the New Testament, there's evidence of that. And what's also very interesting to consider is how the Holy Spirit shows stronger or weaker evidence of the presence and blessing of God according to our response to him. Because it does say that if we grieve the Holy Spirit, there are consequences to that. Stephen, in the book of Acts, rebuked the Jewish leaders by saying that they were resisting the Holy Spirit, and there are consequences to that, of course. We should not be blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to explore about the Holy Spirit, and it is essential that we understand this. This is a core doctrine of our faith. If this is the person of the Trinity who is within you at all times, is the one who is guiding you, who is your conscience many times, the one who is constantly sanctifying you, making you holy by doing good to you, but sometimes that's through pain and hardship. Maybe we need to know our friend much more carefully. Maybe we need to understand the counselor that is within us much more thoroughly. So that's the aim of this study as we go into it. But I'm excited to go through this, and the majority of what we're going to be exploring is going to be primarily in three books of the Bible. It's going to be in the book of Mark, it's going to be in the book of Romans, and it's going to be in the book of Ephesians. And with that, this is the summary of what we will be going through in the weeks to come. And my sincere hope is that you will join me in this, and that you will be blessed by it. Not only growing in wisdom and knowledge of our Lord, but also being able to understand more about the day-to-day interactions with Him, and how these decisions affect our relationship with Him. Because ultimately, we need to see if we have a relationship at all with Him, that's the starting point. But then once we discover who he is, how do we make sure that we stay on the same side as him? How do we resist sin? And how do we rely on him for everything? So I am excited to be going through this with you. And this is, of course, as it always has been, a learning experience for me too. I am not a teacher. I am a guide through all of this because the Holy Spirit is the one that will be teaching us. I have plenty that I need to learn on my own, and I am honored to be the one that will guide us through it, but I will be learning alongside you as well. And of course, for the sake of accountability, if at any time I contradict the Word of God, I am in error of any kind, or you have questions about the study that we're going through, I highly encourage you to send me an email so that we can discuss as well as to point out anything that I have done incorrectly. Again, I'm just a man. I am a flawed human being just like the rest of us. So for the sake of accountability, please reach out to me if you have questions 
you have challenges, you have prayer requests, or if I'm just flat out wrong about something. I would love to know that I'm wrong. And I won't take it badly because I know I'm not perfect. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, and God bless you.